0: You're listening to the Packer Net Podcast Network. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the PackerNet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, PackerNet.com. Find me on Twitter, Pack underscore data so we got quite a bit of newsy news going on today, and um, I think it's it's mostly good news, right? I mean, if nothing else, the fact that the big sports media big mouths are just getting spoon fed—I'm—I'm I'm running through things that I could say, and they're just—they're unnecessarily gross. They're getting spoon fed things they don't want to eat. Let's just—we'll just leave it at that. That's fine. If you want to insert something disgusting into that sentence, that's on you, all right? You go talk to a shrink about it. That's not my problem. I didn't make you do that. But they're not having a good day. Again, they're sociopaths. They don't care. But it's sad for them because, I mean, usually they can drag this stuff out forever. They make so much money and get so much attention off this Aaron Rodgers stuff. And not only did we see a beautiful moment in which... The media made a baseless accusation, right? This is how it works. They started off. And then the Packers, Aaron Rodgers and Mark Murphy specifically, waited just long enough for the media to put it out there, wait, and then say, you know, if it wasn't true, why won't they just come out and say it? Sounds like it's not true. Within like five seconds, Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee's show and was like, yeah, these guys are stupid. And Mark Murphy came out and said, yeah, we're not idiots. So that's never going to happen. Then we see, still, they don't quit. Again, we got the uh, ThinkGate, where Rob Demofsky, see, Rob Domofsky comes out and says, I don't know, he said think kind of weird. <laughs> and a new controversy in which somebody was texting somebody who's a coach who came out and said something about this is going to go nuclear. And again, he probably said nuclear and Chipotle. And again, there's nothing here. This is just a person who's buying it. This is a NFL head coach, apparently, who's buying into the media hype that everything that that he's heard is, is true. And as a result, he assumes that this thing is about to go nuclear. And so we try to make a big thing out of that. Well, now we've just gotten a report that the Rams had reached out to the Green Bay Packers with... Every intention of giving away every pick they've ever had forever to get the best available quarterback, they reached out to the Packers and said, hey, what's it going to take? And essentially, in short, the Packers laughed and hung up on them. So where do you go from here, Rob? Did they hang up the phone weird? What, what, what's next, Florio? I'm, I'm shocked there isn't a controversy about him riding in the back of a truck with beer. That has to be a controversy. The, the, the fact that he hasn't been, I mean, maybe he's just down and out and beaten so badly by um, just having nothing here, that he's actually going to back off a little bit. And it's hilarious. He went on Twitter and said something to the effect of, you know, these people that defend Aaron Rodgers no matter what, I'm going to start calling them g or whatever, something to that effect. In other words, they're a bunch of conspiracy theorists. That's not how this works, dude. The, the people that believe every baseless claim that comes out of your mouth, despite the fact that it's been proven wrong every single time, those are the conspiracy theorists. You are the conspiracy theorists. Again, we see this all the time with other things. People make claims that haven't proven themselves at all. They just keep saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it until people start believing it and believing it and believing it. There's no evidence. There's no proof. There's nothing. And now if you don't believe it, you're, you're crazy. You're a conspiracy theorist. You're, how, how dare you? What, what are you doing? You're the dregs of society. Clearly this is an issue. Look how many times we've talked about it. Look how many times this has come up. Clearly, there's an, I've seen that in the comment section. Well, clearly, there's a problem here. This is every year. This is constant with, with the, the issues with Aaron Rodgers. There's no issues. There's no, there's no issues. They're made up. I, I'm sure there's been a couple issues. I'm sure Rodgers has been upset. They had a losing season that one time, and I'm sure he wasn't happy about it. Seems to me they got over it. I mean, J.J. Watt doesn't seem happy. Deshaun doesn't seem happy. Why don't we drag him through the streets? I mean, and... Please understand, I don't want to. I'm just asking the question, why don't you? I thought if you were just unhappy about a bad situation, you were a piece of garbage. Is Deshaun a piece of garbage? Oh wait, we hate the Texans, so he's not a piece of garbage. Is that how this works? I don't know the rules of this stupid game that we play. I just live in a world where reality is reality. What is, is. I don't I don't understand made-up rules. So, so you guys go ahead and tell me what the new rules are that you play by, so I can try to keep up with your stupidity. I'm just going to sit in here in a world where whatever is, just is. It's weird, I know. I don't have any made-up rules where you get extra points for this, and you're extra garbage because you play for this team, and you look like this, and you have this, so, so you get extra points, or you get points deducted. Or I, That's not my world. This isn't Monopoly, where you have to read the instructions to figure out how in the world this game works. It just is. It's intuitive. It's It's life. Aaron Rodgers is a bad guy because he did this thing even though 95% of that is made up and we don't hold anybody else to that same standard. Okay, that's that's great. Best of luck to you, chief. It's got to be exhausting trying to keep up with all these fake rules, isn't it? Man. Anyways. So, we can kind of set that aside, right? Because there there is some concern because you never know. I mean, who knows what's actually going on in their heads? Maybe they are ready to move on. Maybe they did. My thought all along has been Jordan Love was there just in case. It puts them in a great position. They love Jordan Love. First of all, again, similar to what happened with Aaron Rodgers. What was that, sto- that, that piece that I played for you? They drafted him because he was the best available player. The board says take him. I know nobody wants us to take a quarterback. We already have a quarterback. We need other things if we're going to win a Super Bowl. Quarterback is not going to help us by sitting on the bench. People in the room, in the draft room, are angry. Coaches are angry. Fans are angry because it's not going to help us now. It's not going to help us today. Nobody wants this. The idea that this was a a no-brainer and everybody wanted Rodgers is a fiction, but it was it was just take the best player available, and that's exactly what happened here, but it also puts them in a very good position. We have not seen a dominant version of Aaron Rodgers since about 2016. It had been four years of what happened to really good Aaron Rodgers, and there's all kinds of excuses. Well, he didn't have Jordy. Well, he was hurt that one year. Well, uh, the, the whole team was bad, and he had a, he played with a broken leg, which... Didn't happen, by the way. I've had a broken leg. I couldn't even straighten it. I I screamed when they tried to take my sock off. So, I mean, maybe technically true in some weird universe, but there's varying degrees, and just saying broken leg is is silly, but whatever. I'm sure that's why he refused to throw to his check down, because he had a broken leg, right? I mean, just the the silly excuses are are nonsense. There were issues, and the Packers weren't sure exactly what to do. This puts them in a fantastic position. What is the worst-case scenario here by taking love? Aaron Rodgers doesn't rebound. He doesn't embrace this system. He doesn't improve. He refuses to just do what Matt LaFleur says, and he has another terrible year. The Packers don't do very well. They maybe limp limp into the playoffs, maybe they don't. Given the the regression of the defense, especially early on, I don't know that they make the playoffs if the offense didn't massively improve in year two. If Aaron Rodgers didn't play possibly the best year of his entire career. And so what? So we have the option of Jordan Love, whether that's next year or the year after or whatever, and we can trade Aaron Rodgers, and we, we have these flexibilities. Or, really terrible scenario, we draft Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers is an MVP quarterback that has the ability to take us to the Super Bowl because everything we hoped and dreamed about bringing to Matt LaFleur in this quarterback-friendly system and hoping that, Matt, that Aaron Rodgers can revive his career and we have this elite football team for the next however many years, and the worst-case scenario of that is we pick Jordan Love and we don't actually need him. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's so terrible. You have an MVP quarterback, so you don't end up needing this other quarterback you drafted. Oh, cry about it. Again, as though it's a guarantee. Every every first-round pick is elite. We would have had this elite prospect if you drafted somebody, but you didn't, and how dare you. Yeah, good thing we didn't draft who you wanted them to draft, right? Raise your hand. If you wanted Patrick Queen, I if if half the room's hands don't go up, you're a bunch of liars. Literally the lowest graded rookie of anybody. I just saw it again. Somebody on Twitter was crying about Jordan Love is the only rookie in the top 43 picks that didn't play. So how many rookies played and sucked? How many rookies got forced onto the field because they're rookies, especially first round rookies and couldn't play well? Let me give you a hint. It's almost all of them. How many rookies forced somebody else off the team that would have been better being on the team? As I said, if we had drafted a wide receiver, probably lose Lazard. Is that what you want? Would you be happy with that scenario? Then shut up. Whining and crying about an elite football team because maybe it could have got better. Had Mr. Negative argue with me for about three hours because if we had drafted T. Higgins, he would have caught that two-point conversion. What kind of a universe are you living in? That's why we needed to pick T. Higgins in the first round, because we would have won the NFC Championship game because he would have caught the two-point conversion. I mean, come on. First of all, we we lost by more than two. Second of all, it was Devontae that dropped the touchdown. That's a little bit more impactful. Beyond that, there were other points and production provided by other guys that were on the field that might not have been on the field. Lazard and MVS, for example. No guarantee that T. Higgins, it's, it's not worth even going through the whole thing, but it's just the extent people will go to to be mad about Jordan Love is stupid. It's so stupid. If we had drafted Patrick Queen and he sucked, everybody would be so happy. They would have been so happy because they don't care because you just did what I said. At the very least, they would shut up about it because they'd be too big a coward. Well, some of them wouldn't. Some of these people are so negative. They would pretend they didn't want him. And you know what would have happened? You know what would have been hilarious? What would have happened? The Eagles, instead of drafting Jalen Hurts, would have drafted Jordan Love. Jordan Love probably would have played and been a very good football player, and Packer fans would have said, we could have got Jordan Love. <laughs> <laughs> or just not cried about it or whatever. But, it, you know, probably would have at least said, it would have been better off just getting Jordan Love. At least we would have had a good football player sitting on the bench, better than Patch Clean not doing it. <laughs> Dude, there are bigger issues in the world right now, okay? There are bigger problems than the number one offense not being the number one but also a little bit better. If your biggest issue in the world is T. Higgins could have caught that two-point conversion, oh, my goodness. Take the day off, all right? Just take the day off. Take the offseason off. off. Because the rest of us have pretty much moved on. I've moved on. I'm ready to go. I'm excited about next year. I saw somebody else say something stupid about, you know, what was it? The Rams and how they haven't... Somebody had just laid out, like, how insane... rams have been and what they've done for a quarterback and how much they've given up and he's like so don't ever trash draft and develop please there's a pretty straightforward point it's a very good point and somebody comments something to the effect of yeah same amount of super bowls (laughs) or something like that like so what the 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 packers still lost back-to-back nfc championship games so what so what what the amount of people that feel that a super bowl is just automatic like you're a failure if you don't win a super bowl then every team sucks Every single team sucks except the Chiefs basically. Chiefs and the and the Patriots and I guess maybe Tampa if they win. But the Patriots now they suck and they're going to suck forever. and They're useless. The complete lack of anybody's ability to appreciate being dominant. Well, they weren't dominant. They 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 lost the NFC championship. That's such, okay. That's a you know, such a zoomed out view. You may as well be sitting on the moon. They were the better team in that game and there's no question. They had to suck at about 55 different points in this game just to lose. And they still almost won. If it wasn't for the refs, they probably still would have come back and won. Despite every single drive having an instance of, what are you doing? The bad decisions, the bad play calls, the drop passes, the bad throws, the dropped interceptions, terrible refs. I just, at every single turn, they were terrible, right? Rashawn Gary's worst game since probably last time they played Tampa. Zedarius didn't show up. Billy Turner got beat 500 times again by Jason Pierre-Paul, the guy with the half a hand. Everybody played their worst game ever, again, against Tampa. And that's what it takes just to lose, because they're that good. Why? I don't know. That's something they got to figure out. Why does everybody suck? But it's it's in a moment. It's not as a team. You're conflating the two things. They have a special ability to really suck in, in one game. And it tends to be against a team. Right, they really sucked last year against San Francisco for some reason. And we just so were lucky enough to face that team in the NFC Championship game. This year, same thing. They were dominant, except against this one team, Tampa. We just so happened to face Tampa in the NFC Championship game. That's, that's horrific luck. And no, I don't know why they decided to suck again. I feel like they could have been better, but just chose not to. Zero pressure on Tom Brady all day. It's unbelievable. Goff gets the ball out of his hand in like 1.2 seconds. They still had like eight sacks. It's exaggerations on both accounts, but it's just, you know, just again, just dominant. Defense is, is one of the better defenses in football down the stretch. Offense is just unstoppable. Just ran through the number one defense like it didn't even exist. Then they play Tampa and they don't show up. But again, it's not because they're not good. Well, if they just had better players, why? So they could suck too? Where was Darnell Savage? Where was Rashawn Gary? Tell me the first round pick that really showed up in this game. Who was the, who was the guy that we picked that really just dominated? Jair, if you want to go back that far, sure. Anybody else? Where was the big name free agent acquisitions? Where was Zadarius? Where was Preston? Where was Turner? Where was Amos? Did any of them show up? None of them did. So don't talk to me about players. It's not about players. We have players. We need a different mentality. We need a different energy. We need a different something. I don't know what it is, but it's not players. We have the players. People keep talking about players. Well, we don't have we, if we just had this one more guy, if we just had a, a, a linebacker, if we had a, a, another wide receiver. If we, uh, 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 uh. it's not players, dude, it's not a player issue. We have the players. The players didn't show up. So what is another player going to do? Stop. Please stop. Anyways, um big shout out by the way to everybody that showed up for my live stream yesterday. I did a live mock draft. It went all right. It went pretty well. Um I think the technical glitches were at a minimum. Um, the communication was solid, decent amount of people were there. I'm excited to see that continue to grow. I was surprised to see how many people on YouTube were there. That's usually a place that nobody ever shows up. I didn't peek at it too often, but there were probably about 20 people there on top of who was there on uh, Facebook. So it was a big group and it was fun. Um, there wasn't as big of a delay, so we went through and we got to do some picks. I actually kind of uh, maybe did something I wasn't supposed to do, but that's alright. I Kind of showed some of what PFF had to say about the college prospects. So if you wanted to see, like, show me this guy real quick and let's see what we can uh, ascertain about whether we should pick him. Just threw him up on the old PFF and uh, showed him on the screen. Maybe PFF's going to get mad at me and boot me. I don't really know. We'll see how it goes. This is me transitioning away because I was getting heated and it's kind of just moving on. But uh, we got a trade offer. This is a very uh, easy one to accept. But we ended up, I think, giving up a fourth to trade up to 23. We drafted Christian Derrissaw, the offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. It uh, With the second pick, we got Amon Ross St. Brown, wide receiver out of USC. At pick 92, Tyler Shelvin, two hundred or 364 pounds or something to that effect. Big old Snacks Harrison guy. At 123, we went with Trey Sermon to be the Aaron Jones replacement. Just We all started salivating at the thought. I mean, just think about the offense. We're a little upset at this point about not having a cornerback. But think about this. And this is also me trying to appeal to you to get excited about the draft. Because all the draft is is getting really excited about the future and what could be and just daydreaming, right? We throw all that stuff out about rookies not being super great and just assuming they're dominant and just getting excited. So our offense right now is Christian Derrissaw at right tackle, David Bakhtiari at left tackle. Not really sure about the interior, but probably Billy Turner and Elton Elton Jenkins and somebody. Hopefully Corey Lindsley. At wide receiver, we have Devontae. We have Amon Ra, and at running back we have A.J. Dillon and Trey Sermon. That's exciting. At 172, we picked Shaka Tony, edge rusher out of Penn State, as some backup. I was actually surprised to see the amount of concern people had about our number three edge rusher. I do, I agree. I just didn't expect Packer fans to be that uh, motivated to find one. Um, they certainly were. So we gra- grabbed Shaka Toney. At pick 178, we got Divine Diablo, safety out of Virginia Tech. Um, He's going to be able to help a little bit in the slot if we need him there. Um, The thing that got me the most excited not only is the uh, availability of three safeties, but having Savage and Diablo as our safeties really got me excited. And then finally, Trill Williams, a cornerback out of Syracuse. We finally got our cornerback. He's a bigger dude, but you know how I feel about late round picks. I don't have a a huge amount of uh, optimism. So hopefully we can bring somebody else in. But even, even as I was talking about, you know, we get very doom and gloom about certain things, and, and definitely it can hurt you to not have talent at a certain position, even though we have still the best corner in football with Jair. But look at the Minnesota Vikings, for example. This is one of the things I mentioned on the stream. They had horrific cornerbacks. I mean, terrible, garbage, awful. Detroit Lions, terrible, are awful garbage. But I bring up the Vikings in particular because that's one of the teams that beat us last year. How does a team with no pass rush and no corners beat the number 1 offense in football. I'm not asking you to spiral into a depression and say oh Packers suck, that's how. No, that's not the answer to the question. The point is we we make things too black and white sometimes. It's still a professional football team and if you put together a good enough game plan, you can make it work, especially when you have a very good offense and you still have some pieces on defense, you figure out how to make that work to your advantage. You minimize the disadvantages you optimize your advantages and best of luck to you and the Vikings pulled it off good on them point is we go out and get a good defensive coordinator and uh, he figures out how to use the pieces I mean think about that we got defensive coordinators all over the league um, making making something out of nothing maybe not every single week and obviously sometimes these weaknesses are going to bite you but you know we go out and find somebody that that knows how to use our pieces a little bit better than than Petton did this can be a very dominant defense and i have no doubt about it because there are there are guys out there trying to work with um not great pieces right i I, let's look at a couple things here you know what no let's take a break here i don't think today's gonna be a super long day but but we're gonna move on to our defense and we've got some names that have officially come up that are interviews but i also want to continue on with this thought to look at to give you an idea of what's possible here so we'll take a break right here um again follow and i I know i said cheese and packers i had some issues streaming to cheese and packers so it seems like for the foreseeable future it's um the packernet podcast facebook page as well as pack daddy nfl is where these streams are going to be going pack daddy nfl might be the safest bet because if it's just nfl draft related i may go to my draft page even though there's nobody there but um just just so you know i mean i'm going to share it around everywhere so you should be able to find it but makes it easier on me and and Kind of the point of doing that is to grow those those platforms, so it kind of helps if you just go ahead and follow them. But anywho's patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you want to support the podcast. Be greatly appreciated. You can do it for as little as a dollar a month. I did actually just link up my uh, streaming account to Patreon, so I don't know if I just get alerts if you donate or if I can actually stream to it, but that would be kind of interesting. I also hooked it up to Discord, so I might be able to do a Discord thing. I don't know. I have no idea, but please consider that. Otherwise, uh, the best thing you can do hang in there through the off season. If you're not invested in the draft, get invested in the draft in the off season. It's it's I think it's one of the most exciting times. The regular season is stressful. The off season is exciting because it's all win and no lose. Right? It's just everything that happens. You, there there's no absolute consequences. Right, I can sit there and talk about how I think this team is better than that team and daydream about how we're going to destroy that team. And then if we lose, that's reality smacking you in the face. There's no reality that says that whoever you pick up is going to be bad. We can just lie to ourselves and say it's going to be great. This guy's going to be so good. And we won't find out until the regular season. So stick around, tell your friends. If people are starved for more football draft Packers content, send them this way. Otherwise, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, US Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at US Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, Dee Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back, folks. So, very good timing. I just got a uh, message from Jacob that we have a Instagram winner. What's he talking about? What Instagram? Man, you should be paying attention. If you were following the Instagram, you'd probably know a little bit about it. Uh, Packernet Podcast is the Instagram, but the winner of the latest Packernet Podcast Instagram giveaway is Danseya, D-A-N-S-A-I-A, father to Jason and a Green Bay Packers New York Yankees fan since birth. Sorry if I butchered that name, but I feel like you should know who you are at this point. So if you wouldn't mind doing us a favor, just a shoot a a de- D-A-N-S-A-I-A, this is not going well, coming out of the break, brain hasn't woke up yet. Let me try that one more time. Do us a favor, shoot a DM to our page thing. It's going great. And uh, let us know that you heard this, and we'll get it sent out to you. Try to do it as quickly as possible, though, because um, if you don't respond, we move on and pick somebody else. So jump on it, young sir. All right, so before we get to the candidates, um, I just want to illustrate that point a little bit more. I mentioned how the Giants ex-defensive coordinator was appealing to me. Because they went from the 30th best defense to the 9th best defense despite not having very good pieces. And that appeals to me. Because again, my biggest issue with Petten, eh, well, probably my biggest issue with Petten is the fact that I just don't feel he got the best out of his guys. You get to a certain point where you have so much talent that you can kind of just, I mean, it's sort of like me playing Madden, right? At some point, I could just sit there and pick plays and it's going to turn out fairly well a lot of the time. And I feel like that's kind of what Petten was. Sometimes if I'm playing Madden, you just pick a really stupid play and, and people that know what they're doing would look at that and go, why did you do that? But I would just look at them and go, yeah, check it out, dude. Look at the scoreboard. Scoreboard, son. Because it's just I got good players, so I can just do whatever I want. And they're going to score points that they shouldn't and get yards that they shouldn't because I picked bad plays because I don't know how to do what I'm doing. But it's uh, I'm going to win. I'm going to win the game because uh, I got the number one offense and I got a bunch of great players on defense and I can do whatever I want. But then you've got really good Madden players who, you know, I could pick the best team. You know, I could be whatever team is rated the highest, probably the Chiefs or something stupid, and they could pick the Jets, and they would just annihilate me 45 to nothing because they actually know what they're doing and they know how to utilize the pieces that they have, and I don't. I've talked about the Rams. Now, the Rams are are iffy because um, I can't say they don't have talent when you have the best pass rusher in all of football as well as probably the best DB group in football, but still, they're they're missing a few pieces. Um, We could look at Baltimore being number two. Now, it's not that they don't have good pieces, but how many can you name? Do you know who Baltimore's best pass rusher was? At least the guy that had the most pressures? Yannick Ngakwe. Yannick frickin' Ngakwe. Yannick played his first snap in week eight for the Baltimore Ravens because he was over with Minnesota being terrible. He came to Baltimore, was still not very good. His best game, he had five pressures and no sacks against Cleveland. Remember Zadarius and Rashawn getting seven on certain days? He, he had 28 pressures and 3 sacks. He ended the season with 44 pressures. So I, I guess it's not really fair to say he led the team because he didn't have all those with Baltimore. But he was still the best pass rusher on that team. The next best was Matthew Judon. He had 39 pressures the whole season. Pernell McPhee had 35. Tyus Bowser had 33. Zadarius had 51, which is a massive down year from last year. Shaquille Barrett, who is, a, as I said, a pressure machine at 77, TJ Watt, 73. So I mean, where, is, where is their dominant edge rusher? They don't have one. In terms of linebackers, who's their best linebacker, you think? Can you name Baltimore's linebackers? They got one guy in the top 20. He rated uh, 14th overall. By the way, PFF only has 13 linebackers with a 70 or higher grade. Linebackers in the NFL just generally get picked on a lot. But L.J. Fort, he played 14 games, only 381 snaps. By the way, a full-time linebacker is playing north of about 1,000 snaps. If you are like the guy, Bobby Wagner played 1,141 snaps, Levante David 1,051. He played 381, so he's he's a part-time guy. L.J. Fort is the only guy they had in the top 50. If you look at corners, they do have a pretty good cornerback group with Marlon Humphrey and Jimmy Smith, although Jimmy played 11 games, only 400 snaps, which again, full-time is close to 1,000 marlon humphrey played 900 marcus peters is a big name that everybody says oh that's a great corner he was 54th overall that was a their other sort of full-time guy so you've got one really good corner in marlon humphrey one not very good corner and then you've got sort of your rotational slot guy jimmy smith that's decent not elite but decent only one corner was graded as elite and that's J.R. alexander what about safeties uh chuck clark who is a full-time safety, never heard of him before, 68 overall grade. He was 26th. Deshaun Elliott, a young guy, uh, played all 16 games, 35th overall. Adrian Amos was second in the NFL. Darnell Savage was 10th. This is for the season overall. Remember, they had a slow start to the season. They were still both top 10. So Packers have a much better corner. They have much better safeties. They have better edge rushers. But yet Baltimore is second, and the Packers were what again? They ended the season 13th. Steelers, it's fairly easy because you have one of the better edge rushers in football. So you can kind of draw that parallel. They also have Minka Fitzpatrick, who is very, very good. So that, that one's fairly easy to see. How about Washington? They ended the season fourth. They do have a good safety if you include Jeremy Reeves, who is a very part-time guy, 263 snaps. If we skip him and try to find somebody that played a little bit more, you got uh, Cameron Curl, Um who's a guy that uh, I feel like a lot of people tried to hype up as being kind of good. He was 30th. Uh, otherwise, you got to go down to DeShazer Everett, who was 58th, only played 10 games. Landon Collins, you know, that big-name free agent that everybody wanted, 66th. you got uh, Troy Apke, was 80th, and that's about it. So not the greatest safeties in the world. At corner, they have Ronald Darby, who's decent. He's 14th overall. The next best is Kendall Fuller, 43rd overall. Not the best cornerback group in the world. They got one that's decent, although, again, Packers are much better. Then you got Kendall Fuller, who was graded out better than Chandon, but not by a ton. They're both 60s. They got decent linebackers. Cole Holcomb was in the 70s, one of the few. He was 11th, and Kevin Pierre Lewis was 19th. Neither of them was super full time, both 500 snaps apiece. The main number one guy, John Bostick, 966 snaps. He was 59th in the NFL. I mean are are you getting what I'm saying? We we look at it and say, "Well, we don't have good enough pieces. We don't have good enough players. We need a better corner. We need a better defensive tackle. We need that we have better players than most defenses in the NFL. We're we're lacking the production. We're lacking people showing up. Obviously Washington had Chase Young, which anytime you have a, an elite pass rusher and Montez Sweat has taken a step, that's really going to help out and they've always had a good defensive front, but again, it's not that they ha- they lack any holes anywhere. It's not like, well, we'll never be good because we have only one elite corner and we, we are lacking our number two and we're just going to get do- we're doomed. Nobody's perfect everywhere. In fact, some of these teams are looking at it going, I don't really see dominance anywhere on this defense. Like Baltimore, but number two, Rams got a bunch of holes. They're number one. Washington's missing a bunch of stuff with the exception of a decent corner and some good pass rushers. Number four in the NFL. How about Miami? It's one of my favorites. Miami was... I didn't understand the hype because they don't have anything. They don't have good offensive pieces. They don't have a good defense. Oh, yes, they do. They got a dominant defense. Their best defensive lineman, my boy Raquan Davis. Gets me super excited. He's one of the better rookies to play, but he was 37th overall as far as defensive linemen are concerned. Kenny Clark was 30th. Kenny Clark had a very big down year. He was still better than anybody Miami had. Their best pass rusher was Andrew Van Ginkle with uh, 19 pressures. Shaq Lawson is probably the bigger name guy. He had 39 pressures on the season, but he had a 70 overall grade. Only five sacks on the season. Uh, Emmanuel Agba had 66 pressures. He played a lot more snaps. Had 10 pressures on the season. Had a 66 overall grade. Didn't grade out well in any one category. Best linebacker was Kyle Van Noy. He was 30th overall. After that is Jerome Baker, 48th overall. That guy's always been terrible. After that, they had Landon Roberts, Uh, Landon Roberts was literally the worst linebacker in football, 29.3 overall grade. But they had Xavier Howard, right? They had the second-best corner in football. So why is it everybody else can have, like, one or two really good players and they have a top-three, top-five defense? The Packers have dominant players everywhere, and they're 13th. I mean, again, you you get my point, right? Xavier Howard is almost as good as Jair, and there you go. That's, That's like their one dominant player on this entire defense. Um, after that, 57th, Byron Jones. Whoop-dee-doo. Their best safety? Um, Bobby McCain was 56th. Brandon Jones was 61st. Eric Rowe was 69th. Explain to me why they have one, one, one good defensive player, and they have the sixth best defense in football. How does that happen? This is about really, really good defensive player, d- defensive coordinators and coaches getting the absolute best out of their guys. It's, that's that's what it is. And, and, you know, even with Miami, they the 24th best passing defense in terms of net yards per attempt, 18th best rushing defense, 6th in points. So, I mean, even if you want to look at it as a bend-don't-break defense, fine. They still did better than the Packers did. You wouldn't take that? It's very impressive. So I'm excited about the prospect of just putting our guys in the best position to succeed and Getting some execution out of them. That's it. We have better players. I mean, there are only a handful of defenses you can even point at to say, I think they have better players on their defense. There's only a couple. I don't even know who they would be. Maybe the, the Saints, the Steelers. Not many, man. When you look at Zadarius, when you look at uh, Kenny, and again, well, Kenny wasn't great. I know. That's the point. He's not getting the best out of his guys. But we know what Zadarius can do. There's nobody on Miami you look at and say, well, I mean, if he just suddenly was the best pass rusher in football, then, you know, same thing. No, he doesn't have that upside. We know what Kenny's top end is. We know what Jair's top end is. We've seen what Savage can do. We've seen what Rashawn can do. We've seen what Amos did do this past year. And, yeah, maybe we're going to struggle with our number two corner. I Maybe. Maybe we don't have the best second defensive lineman. Oh, boy. Maybe we only have a mediocre group of linebackers. Oh, shucks. Do you mean like everybody else? Strangely enough, it seems like really good defenses do have really good linebackers, doesn't it? Not in every case. The Rams don't, but in a lot of cases. Tampa, although only one of them is good. The other one just has a big, you know, following and whatnot. Chicago, at the very, I mean, not elite, but just they seem to be the focal point of the defense. You kind of worry about the linebackers. I feel like every time we've gone up against a defense, you worry about the linebackers are a big problem. But yet, we don't care about linebackers. Isn't that interesting? But anyways, that leads us to um, some news we have learned. Apparently the, uh, well, I mean, we kind of had to assume that interviews had started. We got to get cracking on this. But some names have emerged. Apparently it's public record, but... uh There are three people that either have interviewed or will interview with the Green Bay Packers. This is uh, possibly just the start, but it's also possible, similar to a lot of other situations, where if you find the right person, they just say, this is it. This is what we're looking for, right? He checks all the boxes. We're good to go. But the three names are Joe Barry, the Chargers defensive passing game coordinator, Chris Harris, the Washington defensive backs coach, and Ejiro Iviro, the Rams safeties coach. Iviro kind of makes sense insofar as familiarity. He worked with Matt Lafleur with the Rams. He also was with the Packers for a little while, quality control in 2016. Not that that has anything to do with Matt, but it's just a thing. And um, Joe Barry was also with the Rams. So it seems like perhaps these are guys that Matt um, knows or has some respect for. Again, it's really hard from this standpoint to get insights because a lot of this has to do with inner circles, people that you know, people that you respect, names that are floating around of this guy's really impressive, whatever. It is nice to see that we're kind of looking at, I guess it's pronounced Evaro or Evero, I don't know. I think Ajero or Vero would have been a lot cooler, but that's fine. I'll, I'll say his name right. But it's people that, you know, again, you're looking for, not necessarily young in terms of age, but people that have never been at the top ends before that really are grinding and striving to be there. And, again, I could sit here and look at it and say, well, um, you know, I don't know that the Rams' safeties are all that great, so we probably shouldn't hire him. But, you know, again, so Matt LaFleur's time with the Tennessee Titans, what does that tell us? So, uh, you know, but um, Ivaro was actually born in England, which is kind of interesting. Played football at UC Davis, signed with the Raiders, spent some time as a coach at UC Davis, went to Tampa, 49ers, quality control coach, offensive assistant. Uh, He worked under Dom Capers with the Green Bay Packers kind of one of those guys that broke down game film and whatnot. And he went to the Rams and he got his first kind of bigger job um, coaching the safety group. They point out here that the Rams were fifth in the NFL uh, with 28 total takeaways that year. That was also when L- LaMarcus Joyner was there. And I, he actually was very, I forgot about that. He ended up moving on, but he got a ton of money because he was really good. So yeah, in 2017, so, and this is a, an example of just, you don't pay guys that just kind of broke out. So, joiner was not very good in 2014 15 16 2017 when a giro shows up 90.9 overall grade just completely blew up next year in 2018 it was a 73 still very good but not quite as good and just great in every category good in run defense elite tackler elite pass rush solid in coverage the rams go out and pay him a ton of money to come over and can, you know come do that with us terrible terrible he's no good so that is pretty impressive in fact, if we go back to 2017, I forgot about this. They had actually a really dominant group. Um, Lamarcus Joyner was the second highest graded safety. John Johnson was the um, was the third highest, or excuse me, the 11th highest. I'm just remembering that because John Johnson, even to this day, is still a pretty solid football player, and that was his first year, was in 2017. So um, that is fairly impressive, actually. So I, you know, and again, I don't know if that's that's what it is. If if they're just looking at that. And saying this guy's obviously got some some unique talents, but but that's clearly not enough to give somebody a defensive coordinator job. If you want to elevate a guy like Gray and bring him in to be our new DB coach, cool. Um, but again, I don't think that's what they're doing. So in other words, there's there's something else here. You know, there's a lot more to being a defensive coordinator than uh, you know you came in to be the safeties coach and you made a guy a safeties coach. Or <laughs> you you I gotta I gotta be done and you made the safeties good. And, again, I can't really comment on that. I, I don't really know their personalities. I don't know their reputations. I don't know what the players think of them, the coaches think of them. But that's the kind of thing that these guys do know. That's the kind of thing, you know, Brian Gudekunst, Matt LaFleur, you know, th- this is a relatively tight-knit community. People talk, you know, players talk to coaches, talk to, you know, word spreads. You know, people really like this guy or that guy. Uh, as far as Joe Barry. Kind of broke into the NFL after being, uh, you know, linebackers coach for a couple different college teams, but again with the 49ers in 2000. Tampa Bay, linebackers coach from 2001 to 2006, which I guess we can go back and look at that. Might as well. What else are we going to do today? Actually, I can't. PFF doesn't even go back that far. I don't know why they don't backfill this a little bit. What else are you doing in the offseason? Uh, he was at the Lions 2007-2008, in which not a single linebacker was in the top 50, so that's not great. I know 2006, they did have a decent linebacker, so... Um Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2009, these little short stints make me nervous, right? Two years with the Lions, Lions are like, all right, we're done with this. Then he goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be a linebackers coach after one year. They're like, all right, we're done with this. Then he moves back to the college ranks, which isn't great, goes to USC, linebackers coach, then comes back to the Chargers, linebackers coach from 2011 to 2014, goes to Washington 2015-16, goes to the Rams 2017 to 2020, and he's the assistant head coach slash linebackers coach. Then the L.A. Chargers give—so it seems like now he's starting to get some respect. It's kind of weird. He goes to the Chargers. Oh, he was a defensive coordinator for Washington. That's interesting. What happened in those years? Let's just look at that and then be done with this nonsense. Again, not that it matters. We've got great defensive coordinators in the NFL today that were defensive coordinators and were terrible. In the past. But we'll look anyways. It's kind of interesting. There's there's not exactly overlap here, but there is some familiarity. Again, everybody—all these—they're all just ships passing in the night. But Matt LaFleur was with Washington in 2013. Um, After that, when the whole crew got fired, the defense in 2013 ranked 30th, right? So that's when you had um, Mike Shanahan was the coach. Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. Uh, Matt LaFleur was the quarterback's coach. Sean McVay was the tight ends coach. That was 2013 Washington. The offense was 23rd. The defense was 30th. Whole crew gets fired. Jay Gruden comes in. He elevates Sean McVay to be the offensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator is Jim Hazlitt. Um, again, they're 30th on defense. That didn't go very well. So they fire Hazlitt and bring in Joe Barry. So now it's Jay Gruden. Sean McVay is the offensive coordinator and Joe Barry is the defensive coordinator. They go from 30th to 29th to 17th. That ain't bad. Next year they don't improve, they stay at 19th. The next year he gets fired. <laughs> I mean, maybe he didn't get fired. He just moved on. But I, I, I feel like assistant head coach slash linebackers coach is not a promotion. Maybe it is. I don't think so though. It's kind of weird, but it is also interesting though because McVay ended up. And maybe it was. Maybe he didn't get fired because what happened? McVay gets a promotion, right? He becomes the offensive coordinator for the Ram, or excuse me, the head coach for the Rams, right? He needs to assemble a staff. What does he do? He brings along the defensive coordinator from Washington, gives him the title of assistant head coach slash linebacker's coach, so maybe that is what it is. He reached out, he's like, hey, I'd love to have you here. Or it's possible he got fired and he's like, I don't know, I kind of like that guy and he hired him. So there is familiarity because not only did he, when he was assembling his staff, bring along Joe Barry, he brought in Matt LaFleur. And obviously the Rams defense had been uh, pretty dominant for some time, up to and including um, through 2020. The issue, I guess, I have is that he's the linebackers coach, which is the one extreme weakness that the Rams have had this entire time. But obviously, again, you don't get these jobs because you're great with linebackers, which is weird, but there's something else there. I still don't like it. I mean, if you're the linebackers coach, I want you to get the best out of your linebackers, and he wasn't. Um, Technically, right now, he he has accepted a job as the defensive passing game coordinator slash linebackers coach for the L.A. Chargers, but obviously he's auditioning for defensive coordinator. I'm, I'm, I'll am I'm. just be honest. I'm not big on this one. I just don't really like it. I feel like he's been all over the place. He keeps getting hired and fired. Things don't always go super well. I mean, you how much credit can you give him for the Rams defense? Assistant head coach slash linebackers coach. What does that have to do with the fact that they have uh, the best pass rusher in football and really good corners? I just, eh, eh, nah. Washington wasn't very good when he was a coordinator. I mean, they got better, but they stayed subpar. I just, I don't know. I, I don't like it. For all I know, this is, you know, Sean McVay saying, hey, man, you got to give this guy an interview. He's really talented. I hope that's all it is. And then, you know, LaFleur's like, all right, cool, man. I'll I'll let you know. Then we've got Chris Harris, um, ironically, a former safety. There's a current Chris Harris who's a DB. But it's not that Chris Harris. 38 years old. Um, He was a player from 2005 to 2012, so very recently was a player. Played for the Bears, the Panthers, the Bears again, the Lions, and the Jaguars. Uh, The Bears hired him in 2013 to be the quality control coach. as kind of your break-in job. You know, we'll see if you got what it takes to just do a bunch of grunt work. From their assistant DB coach for San Diego slash LA Chargers from 2016 to 2019. Gets promoted in 2020 for uh, the Washington football team as their DB coach. So clearly, I mean, the, the, the cool thing about Chris Harris is he's rising very rapidly, right? Extremely quickly. Kind of got that Sean McVay thing. You know, he's young. He just breaks in. He's a tight ends coach, then he's a head coach, done. <laughs> right? Like That's that's quite a leap. Well, tight ends coach, offensive coordinator, head coach, but still, I mean, it just it went fast. So I, I do like that. Um, no question he's going to be a, a, a player's guy. I mean, just the, the Wikipedia page of this guy is hilarious. He looks like he wants to just put on some pads and go out and just destroy somebody. So at least that much is intriguing. Uh, of course, we look at, for example, the DBs for Washington. Were they good? No, they weren't that good. But, I mean, it was one year, so I, you know. Again, I don't have a lot to go on. These are the three names. This is what I know. Uh, Joe Barry is the only one that I I would kind of be a little bit iffy. I mean, all of them are because there's a, you know, Harris doesn't have a lot of experience, so that's kind of iffy, but he's rising extremely quickly, which usually, when people are just pushing you straight up, there's something kind of special there, as opposed to Joe Barry where it's like you go up and then you go down, then you go up and then you go down, you get hired, and then you get fired right away, and you get hired and you get fired, you know. You're not really doing your job. Then you go back to college for a while. It just, it's kind of iffy. But there's a lot of experience. You know, you've worked with tons of college teams. You work with tons of NFL teams, tons of different coaches, tons of different players. So, I don't know. Obviously, none of these names were on our list prior to, but that's kind of what we got so far. Anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.